those that know the scripture know the difference between the Jews and the Greeks know the conflict that came when Jesus came to this earth and how he began to tell people why he had come the prophecies had all been in the Old Testament and the prophets had prophesied and the word was fulfilled but the day came when the word became flesh and dwelt among us and born of a virgin baby Jesus was born he came to seek and to save those which are lost he came to make sure that every person on the planet had an opportunity to give their life to him the creator and to be what they were created to be rather than trying to be what others are. And in our sermon today, I want you to pick up on what is absolutely an imperative if we are to have the power of kingdom gospel. The only way that we can ever, ever, ever know that we are where God wants us to be is to know what the Scripture teaches and then we adapt to the Scripture rather than the Scripture adapting to what we think. Two things that I'll be touching on throughout the message. The number one absolute imperative of the kingdom of God and the church is that Jesus Christ's gospel be preached. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Not the opinion of men, but the gospel, the good news. That all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None are righteous, no, not one. However, by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on a cross, over 2,000 years ago, every person now has an opportunity to be born again. And as we come to church, if it is a real church, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached. It will not be about how to win friends and influence people. It will not be about how you're thinking on a certain subject. There's plenty of time to study the Bible, but there's a brief time in which you can preach the gospel, when you can proclaim the gospel, when you can share the gospel. And that's what the kingdom is all about. God saved those then, as we'll look at in a moment, and they were to become a part and the second thing, you have the preaching of the gospel, and then you have the evidence of changed lives. That's you. That's me. If it is real, if it is real, it ceases to be a religion, and it becomes a relationship. There's a relationship between us and him, and there's a relationship between uh, each other here on earth and around the world we have a responsibility to him and we have a responsibility to each other God has put us here left us here any moment he can come again and he says in a moment that you think not the son of man is going to come and when he comes we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air if we're born again believers and so shall we ever be with the Lord but now listen to 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. 
listen carefully because you're included and I'm included. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Here's what that scripture says. Jesus ascended back into heaven, left the Holy Spirit here to take over our lives if we're believers. And as believers, we are to go proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the responsibility, not of the preachers, but of the believers. And that not only do we talk, but we walk the walk. And people understand something happened to us somewhere along the way. It is shocking sometimes for people to come back and meet folks that they went to elementary school with, junior high school as we used to call it, high school. They see them 25 years later and see what a wonderful change in their life was. They got least likely to succeed when they were in high school. And now they're living proof of a loving God to a watching world. What happened? They moved to the right town? No. Got in the right vocation? No. Married the right person? No. Some of those things have influence, but the major influence was what a wonderful change in my life was wrought when Jesus came in. I'm not what I want to be, not what I ought to be, but thank God I ain't what I used to be. I love that cowboy. I'm going to see him in heaven that wrote that 100 years ago. All of us must find out from the Scripture that our power comes from him. You say, how in the world can you get along in a church? Get along with him. And when you get along with him, he begins to move through the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we begin to love each other, and we're there when others need us, and we begin to move about as God wants us to move about, and all of the time, we're fulfilling the will of God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the Apostle Paul was one of the most vivid examples of that from the New Testament. Most everybody that knows just anything about the Bible has heard of his name. As Saul became Paul, as the executioner of Christians became the number one person leading churches that were real churches to come to know God and to be what God wanted them to be. And in this man's life, He urged them, and he put it like this, to abound in this grace also. Here's what he was saying. He urged every single believer that came into the fellowship of God by grace through faith that God had brought them into this group to be a part of igniting a fire that would spread around the world and would be burning when Jesus comes back to this earth again. Now, he was called to do that. Now, Paul had to be extremely careful in his acts of ministry because a lot of people knew him for who he was as a murderer and an executioner of Christians. And by the grace of God, his life changed. By the power of God, he did what God wanted him to do. Let me tell you, thank God for Paul, but I want to thank God for all of you. You have a purpose for being here, folks. 
And it's not because you felt bad this week and thought you ought to come to church because you sinned. And you say, if I'll just come to church, say three prayers, sing two songs, and go home without fussing at somebody, I'll just be fine. No, you've got to be born again. Now, that word's not used very much in pulpits around the country today. But you must be born again. And for any of us to be what God wants us to be, we have to be born again. Because when we're born again, we don't go back, but God moves in. And the Holy Spirit begins to take charge of our tongue, our hands, our feet, our minds, our eyes, our ears. And everything changes. In fact, the Bible says when we are born again, old things pass away and all things become new. A lot of people, a lot of people will not follow Jesus because they'll have to give up their friends. I can tell you if you follow Jesus, God will take those away from you and give you a hundred times, a hundredfold more friends. They care about him and they care about you instead of about themselves. And when we look at the message today, what is the power of the kingdom gospel? You've got to hold on to these because I'm going to use the word give in a minute. And some of you are going to go for your pocketbooks. <laughs> this is not a stewardship message on giving money. It's giving your life to giving everything you have to the Lord. That, that your job becomes a place where the gospel is lived out. That your school becomes a place where regardless of what the laws are that are set by our authorities now, which we must honor. But there is a higher power, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit that can flow through any of us in any vocation, in any town, in any city, in any country of the world, if we'll simply trust the Lord. Now, let me tell you what a church is. A church is a group of believers that come together in one order, they all know what they're here for. They know what the goal is. They know how we got to this place. And from that, the group gets together. Leadership is involved. But the family gets together. And as the family gets together, every single person begins to determine what is God's will for my life. Not their life. We're tended to criticize those that are trying to live for God, trying to do what God wants them to do, but we don't do anything. We think that criticism is a spiritual gift, and it's not. God calls us together to be a family that will carry the gospel beginning in this city and reaching to the uttermost part of the earth. And it cannot be done from a pulpit alone. It can't be done from a prayer room alone. It can't be done from a worship service alone. It has to be done when everyone goes under the power of the Holy Spirit to be a part of the kingdom gospel. Our responsibility, one of them, is to show God's love to others. A lot of people don't believe God loves them. And they have reasons that are good enough for them that God doesn't love me. He wouldn't have let my house flooded. He wouldn't have let this happen, that happen. But like the old song says, Jesus loves me this I know because the Bible says so. The Bible says so. 
God is love. If you know God, you know love. If God is in you, love is in you. And if you're God's child, God loves you. And God wants to use you. So in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might be rich. You know why the church has power? Because he is here. We're his bride. You know why the church has the resources it needs? The real church has the resources it needs? Because God gives the resources. Right here in this church, every single Sunday, all along our ministry booths, there's places for people to serve. There's two kinds of, of people that attend every church, those that serve and those that don't. Those that serve are the happy, happy, happies. And those that don't, they can't find anything right. It's just a guilt trip prophesied in the Scripture. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command? Well, I don't want to, and I don't like them. They should have never been the chairman of that team. And I don't like those songs. I don't like the preaching. The building's too cold. The parking lot's too big. And the weather outside's too hot. And I don't understand why more people don't love me. I can promise you today, there's some of you, and I, I hope this isn't true, but I know it is. We were trying. We just failed. I failed. Others have failed. And here's what you're saying. I've been on this campus now for about an hour, and not one person has spoke to me. Not one. Could I ask you a question? How many have you spoken to? Oh, am I supposed to do that? It's a good idea. Because there's some folks here, people hadn't spoken to them in a week. They need the word, a look, and a touch. And do you know sometimes that means more than you can imagine, more than a good sermon or a good song or a good Bible study class, just for you to give a smile and speak to them and ask them their name and then call their name in about two minutes. And they're saying, well, he knows my name. Well, who told them? He did. I love that little song, He Knows My Name. He Knows My Name. He knows your name. And he wants you to follow him. He loves you. John 1, 17 kind of helps us with the, where this all began. He says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Moses brought us the law and let us know right from wrong. But Jesus brought us grace. There's a lot of people that are strong in the laws, but they have no grace. They have no forgiveness. They have no vision. They just simply want to stand firm on head knowledge instead of being kingdom people. And when the gospel is preached and when the gospel is taught, there must be an army of believers that come alongside that that become, as we say here at Sagemont again, living proof of a loving God to a watching world. As we go down the road of life, as a believer, we have a responsibility to show God's love 
to other people. Yes, even those you don't like. Those that I don't like, God loves. So if you don't love them, love God enough to speak to them. And see what God does for you. See how God begins to move you about and put you on the roads that you've never been on. Makes you happier than you've ever been. He will prosper you with so many things. And finances can be a part of that. But the main thing is that you know all the other options. I've listed a few. I could have gone on, but you don't have time to listen to them. So I'm going to give you nine real quick. God has blessed us with time, talent, knowledge, encouragement, opportunity, energy, thought, service, and prayer. Now, all of those, you can write them down, and there is a way that they apply to every one of us. Because God needs us out there representing him well. And being able to not only tell people what Jesus has done, but for them to stand in amazement and say, I cannot believe that you have changed so much for the good. You have a peace you never had. Your whole personality has changed. Instead of being a critic, you've become an encourager. Instead of wanting everybody to talk to you, you start talking to them. Instead of doing what, what you want to do, you find more joy in doing what other people want to do. Now, that's good for everybody. Everybody. But we have to understand that there is a word. And the word is grace. G-R-A-C-E. Somebody said years ago, God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. Because of God's love and his willingness to come live in us, those of us that are of ourselves empty become filled with the Holy Spirit and it goes out to the child, to the teenager, to the young adult, to the middle-aged adult, to the senior adult, to the grieving, to those in prison, to those that are going through all kinds of financial miseries. God shows up through his people. In 2 Corinthians 8, 19, it says, And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is ministered by us to the glory of the same Lord and the declaration of your ready mind. You know why the Lord has not spoken stronger and louder to some of us? There's a reason. And I'm sure I'm talking to some and you say, you know, I'm not sure I've heard God speak to me in a long time. I've not felt his presence. I've not felt his encouragement. Why is he waiting? Can I make a suggestion to you? He's waiting to be convinced that you'd do something about it when he told you. He's waiting to where you say, here am I, Lord, send me. Speak, Lord, thy servant hears. I hear with an intent to obey. And if you will tell me what to do, I will do it. And then that scripture comes back, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I command. You know what happens? And it's, and it's probably happened to some that are here today, but you're still not without hope. But you've said no so many times. The door's opened so many times. You've been asked to serve so many times, and you've said no. No, no. 
even as I'm preaching right now, I'm aware there's a card in front of every one of you. If there's any one person that's in our church membership and you want a place to serve at Sagemont, you need to fill that card out. You can forget the rest of my sermon, just start writing, you know, doodle, crisscrosses, whatever you want to do. But let us know. You have not because you ask not. Well, I know you got plenty of that. We don't have plenty of anything that's doing right. We need a lot more soul winners. We need a lot more prayer warriors. We need a lot more folks that'll go and help those that are, that are ill in the hospital, at home, and at the funeral homes today, and on and on and on. There's a place for you to serve. Yes, there is. You don't have to be kin to anybody around here. You can even be born out of Texas and we'll take you, all right? <laughs> because we're not here representing anything but Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You remember that rich farmer in the Bible? He chose to just hoard everything he had. And he died. Now, this couldn't all be written on his tombstone, but maybe it should have been. It's Luke 12, 20. And God said unto him, Thou fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose shall all those things be which you have provided? What was his problem? Hoarding the blessings of God. And in that environment... He missed God's plan for his life. God's not looking for anybody to store his wealth. He's looking for those through which he can flow his wealth so that the world might hear about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Any blessing that I receive in my life or you receive in your life should be accredited to him. Because the Bible says, again, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father. If God has blessed you, you need to tell others the source. When we teach children and students the Word of God and adults the Word of God, and when we have Bible studies and helping hands and prayer ministries, special events, we have cut-ups that come in here on Tuesday. They sit down in the hallway, and they cut and cut and cut and get ready for all these kids that are here today. And they have more fun. And if you don't believe it, just come walk by them and eat some of their donut holes that are there every Tuesday. I try to make it a point. Either get there before they get there or after they leave and, or while they are there. And you know those kids are enjoying their labor today. And if any child gets saved over there today, and almost every Sunday there are, you had a part in that. These that was in the Baptist here a while ago, they've all got a story. The young ones and the older ones. One day, God used something or someone to change their life. We know Jesus is the one that changed their life, but they were introduced to Jesus by some person. The first century uh, Christians carried out the instructions given to the rich ruler. He hoarded his, but they shared theirs. And they shared it with boldness. Let me read to you out of Matthew 19, 21 through 24. Jesus said unto him, If you'll be perfect, go and sell what you have. You remember this? To the poor, you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. 
Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What kind of rich man is he talking about? He's talking about a rich man that hoards up what he has. You may have a great voice and should be in our music ministry, but you don't share it anymore. You may have teaching skills to the Word of God, but you haven't volunteered to do that anymore. You might have money and abundance that you have never given to the Lord. There could be a myriad of things, but the point is that God's people are to be givers. We are not to sit and wait for somebody to come bless us and then criticize if they don't, but we find places where we can go and minister to others. And no one have I ever seen, ever, that regretted doing just that. Being like Jesus. Go and be a giver. You notice here, he used the words in the passage, young. He was young. There's something to say about that. I'm not near as, I was not near as smart as I thought I was when I was 20. I've lived long enough to know I didn't judge that right. My math was wrong on that. But I've learned as longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I've learned that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. That's the reason we got to reach our young people. That's the reason we have to pray for our kids in school and public schools or private schools or home schools. Train up a child in the way it should go, and when it's old, it'll not depart from it. But God tells us how to raise our children. We can never depend upon government to do that. We have to be the one that teaches them what God has planned for their life. Galatians 6.10 says, And we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know where our giving begins? To one another. Our encouragement to one another. Our love to one another. Our finances to one another. The Sagemont Church tries to stay very, very sensitive. Our Helping Hands ministry, I'm so thankful for those wonderful people. A few of them are paid some, but many are paid nothing. But they're 24-7. What are they doing? They're representing Jesus. They're representing Jesus. I love to see people that are creative in sharing Jesus. One of my favorites was Danny Biddy. He's retired from the old... Uh, River Baptist Church over here off of Highway 10. He's a cowboy. Go to every Houston rodeo, and he, and he made knives. And he'd sit behind the chutes to every event and sharpen those bull riders' knives or those bronc riders' knives. But while he was sharpening them, the knives, he was telling them about Jesus. And he said the tougher the old boy was, the more he sharpened his knife. He said he could take a blade down an inch. He didn't just sharpen it, you know. You get saved, I'll give it back to you. But until then, I'm at it, you know. <laughs> but that was his way. I couldn't do that. I bet most of you couldn't do that. But he could do that. But you know what? You can do something that none of the rest of us can do. But it takes you. Well, I'm letting this one do it. I let that. Long as they'll do it, it's good enough for me. As long as I can take it in, that's enough. Receiving is good enough for me. Let them be the givers. I'm telling you, if you've ever been on both sides, it's more blessed to give than it's receive. God just has a way a blessing, the givers. We're to give our time, our talent, our knowledge, our encouragement, our opportunity, our energy, our services, 
our prayers, all of those things, some I mentioned a moment ago, I want you to take this and go with it. Matthew 4, 4 says, And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We can give things that are temporal. He can give things that are eternal. We can be a blessing to others today, but one day we're going to be gone. One day, the Lord is going to call us. And what a day, glorious day that's going to be. But in the meantime, something has happened to our churches, folks. Let me speak from my heart just a second. I look at it very, very closely across America. Our churches are on a nosedive of reaching unchurched and unsaved people with the gospel. We're lower than we were in the 50s, the 1950s, with no television, no internet, none of that kind of thing. And the reason is what I am preaching on today. The gospel is not being preached, and the people have become spectators instead of participators. And they are no longer wanting to be a part of the church. They just want to find a church that blesses them when they sit still and do nothing. There's plenty of them around. But you don't get blessed there. Everybody that sees these baptisms week after week after week that had a part in that, they're the happiest folks in here. They're praising, Lord, I thank God that one day I started serving. One day I started helping boys and girls find their Bible study class, whatever it might be. We can give or we can keep. God gives us a choice. But you know what? When we give what we cannot keep, we get what we cannot lose. You can't take your stuff to heaven. The rooms are furnished. But you know something? You can take souls to heaven with you. People that you lead to Jesus, you can take them with you. Are you going to carry any of it with you? Is anybody going to stand before the Lord and say, because I met you, I'm here. Thank you for telling me about Jesus Christ. When it comes to money, people go, they get scared. Oh, my goodness. Like I told you earlier, this is not on money, but I will throw this in. I've heard people say in America many, many, many times they were struggling financially, and they'd say, you know, uh, I, 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 I got to eat. I got to feed my family. I got to thinking this week, I don't think I've ever met a person in America that starved to death. Not one. When you say, well, that's the reason I'm still hoarding up my money because I might be the first one. I don't really think so. You know why? How many of you say we all need to eat? Would you say that? Yes? Okay. Three of you. Thank you. Good. <laughs> the others are on their way to Luby's, all right? But anyhow... But you know something? God will bless us when we become a blessing to others. And when we quit questioning God's word based on our thoughts or our personal experience. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply 
all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, God said it, and that settles it. God will feed you, clothe you, use you, bless you, encourage you. I may be talking to somebody, and you you don't have any medical insurance. I encourage you to get some, but you may not have any. But I'll tell you this. The great physician doesn't take MasterCard, Visa, or your check, even though it would bounce. He is the great physician. He's not waiting for you to pay your bill. He's waiting for you to follow him. And when you follow him, he'll lead you to life everlasting. And that life begins right here, right here. But your first priority and my first priority must be the kingdom of God. He has to come first. His church has to come first. His bride, the church, has got to come first. And that church has got to represent him well. And that love fills that place rather than bitterness. That there's a vision that reaches beyond my kind, my group, my spot on earth. That's called missions. And the Bible in the Great Commission or the Great Commandment was, Go ye therefore and teach all of the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all things that I have committed unto you. And lo, I will be with you always. That means when you step into the gates of heaven. When you stand before a crucified, resurrected Lord. Who comes in all of his glory to take his children home. When that time comes, you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You serve me. And I am totally convinced that people that don't serve, that claim they're Christian, they think they're Christians and they're not, or they're not telling the truth. You cannot be a happy believer and be a taker instead of a giver. You cannot leave to others the job that God gave to all of us. The reason I know that God wants to use every single one of us is we're still alive on planet Earth. I see two of you looking at the person and pointing at him saying, I'm not sure whether he is or not. Let me just assure you, he's just asleep. He is not dead, all right? Wake him up and take him home in a minute. But can I tell you as I close? Jesus loves us. This I know because the Bible tells us so. But his heart grieves when he sees the kids that he's ready to open the windows of heaven on you. But you're going to have to start serving. You're going to have to become a giver. You're going to have to represent him well. He doesn't want attention to come to you because you don't represent him. When you are a child of God, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask is to be like him.